to Domestic Chaos. I'm Burr Beard. Back to weekly cast now that the election is coming up on November 8th. I'll be reporting on the January 6th Selects Committee hearing and a chat with U.S. Congressman Richie Torres and Andrew Garbarino of New York on the future of small businesses through potential congressional action. Sound clips from both ahead. The Select Committee hearing addressed the big picture goal to show that Trump was responsible for the attack on January 6th, 2021, here's Senator Zoe Lofgren. He's also a longtime advisor to President Trump and was in communication with President Trump throughout 2020. Mr. Trump pardoned Roger Stone on December 23rd, 2020. Now recently, the select committee got footage of Mr. Stone before and after uh, the election from Danish filmmaker Christopher Gilbranson, pursuant to a subpoena. Right before the election, here's Roger Stone talking about what President Trump would do after. Let's just hope we're celebrating. (laughs) I suspect it'll be, I really do suspect it'll still be up in the air. When that happens, the key thing to do is to claim victory. Possession is nine-tenths of the law. No, we won. Fuck you. Sorry, over. We won. Yeah. You're wrong. Fuck you. The select committee called Mr. Stone as a witness, but he invoked his Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination. In addition to his connection to President Trump, Roger Stone maintained extensive direct connections to two groups responsible for violently attacking the Capitol, the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys. Roger Stone and Steve Bannon helped hatch the plan to wage war if Trump was not given the presidency. Bannon told viewers that Trump would come out claiming victory no matter what the outcome. They knew during the summer of 2021. Adam Schiff covered erased Secret Service texts, but spoke of emails about Trump's plans with the paramilitary groups on January 6th. Since our last hearings, the Select Committee has received greater cooperation from the Secret Service. Nevertheless, the Secret Service text messages from this period were erased in the days and months following the attack on the Capitol. Even though documents and materials related to January 6th had already been requested, by the Department of Justice and Congress. But we were able to obtain nearly one million emails, recordings, and other electronic records from the Secret Service. Over the month of August, the Select Committee began its review of hundreds of thousands of pages and multiple hours of that material, providing substantial new evidence about what happened on January 6th and the days leading up to it. That review continues What you're about to hear is just a sample of the new and relevant evidence that we have received. Mounting evidence before January 6th predicted violence, and not just violence generally, but violence directed at the Capitol. Intelligence about this risk was directly available to the U.S. Secret Service and others in the White House in advance of the Ellipse speech, in advance of the march to the Capitol. Other agencies were also hearing predictions suggesting possible violence at the Capitol. On a call with President Trump's White House National Security Staff in early January 2021, Deputy Secretary of Defense David Norquist had warned about the potential that the Capitol would be the target of the attack. 
Here's General Mark Milley, who was also present for this call, describing Deputy Secretary Norquist's warning. So during these calls, I only remember in hindsight because he was almost like clairvoyant. Um, Norquist says during one of these calls, the greatest threat is a direct assault on the Capitol. I'll never forget it. This email, for example, was an alert that the Secret Service received on December 24th with the heading, Armed and Ready, Mr. President. According to the intelligence, multiple users online were targeting members of Congress, instructing others to march into the chambers on January 6th and make sure they know who to fear. In this report received on December 26th, a Secret Service field office relayed a tip that had been received by the FBI. According to the source of the tip, the Proud Boys plan to march armed into DC. They think that they will have a large enough group to march into DC armed, the source reported, and will outnumber the police so they can't be stopped. The source went on to say, their plan is to literally kill people. Please, please take this tip seriously and investigate further. The source also made clear that the Proud Boys had detailed their plans on multiple websites like the Donald.win. Maryland Senator Raskin presented crowd noise and the cries for help inside the Capitol from both Democrats and Republicans. We're trying to get surrounded. They're taking the uh, North Front staff only. Unless we get more munitions, we are not going to be able to hold. The door has been breached, and people are gaining access into the Capitol. There is humor as that is purely pushing. There has to be some way we can maintain the sense that people have that there is uh, some security or some confidence uh, that government can function and that we can elect the President of the United States. Did we go back into session? We did go back into session, but now apparently everybody on the floor is putting on three vest masks to prepare for a breach. I'm trying to get more information. They're putting on their tear gas masks. We need an area for the tunnels members. They're all walking over now through the tunnels. I'm going to call up the Ethan Secretary of DOD. We have some senators who are still in their hideaways. They need massive personnel now. Can you get the Maryland National Guard to come too? I have something to say, Mr. Secretary. Well, I'm going to call the, the mayor of Washington, D.C. right now and see what uh, other outreach she has to other in the midst of this violent chaos, Kevin McCarthy implored Donald Trump to tell his supporters in the mob to leave the Capitol. And when that didn't work, McCarthy called Trump's adult children to try to get them to intercede with Trump to call off the insurrectionary violence. In our prior hearings, we showed you a description of what McCarthy told Republican Congresswoman Jamie Herrera Butler about his conversation with Trump during the violence. 
Another witness, Mick Mulvaney, President Trump's former chief of staff, has also come forward and corroborated her shocking account. concerned about the election than you are. Well, a clear case was made about Trump's knowledge and planning for violence around the presidential election, but did the hearing prove that Trump, Stone, Bannon, Flynn, etc. were guilty of crimes beyond a reasonable doubt? Chuck Rosenberg. Well, first, a legal point, because I'd like to get it out of the way, Katie. Uh, in a criminal case, if any of those people were tried, uh, indicted, and put on trial, um, you could never use their invocation of their Fifth Amendment privilege in any way as evidence against them. So that works fine in a congressional hearing uh, for political theater, but it's not evidence and it's inadmissible. Uh, second point, uh, I'm not sure that the Department of Justice needs a referral from anyone. Uh, Merrick Garland has said that they have a widespread and ongoing criminal investigation and they're going to follow the facts. So let's take the man at his word. Um, and I would imagine that in their sites, or at least as subjects of their, of their investigation, are all the folks that we heard about today, including people like Roger Stone and Michael Flynn. And then finally, I think a political referral from the committee could backfire because the department wants to remain nonpartisan and independent. 30 people took the fifth during these hearing testimonies, but won't Merritt Garland prosecute these crimes in the coming year? MSNBC says criminal intent was shown of knowingly committing crimes and obstructing a peaceful transfer of power. But will Trump get elected in 2024 and pardon all the criminals, including himself? Yes, he was subpoenaed to testify by the committee, but that is of little consequence. Trump has reportedly sued CNN, his arch-rival fake news channel. He told Mar-a-Lago workers to move documents in the mansion, and video footage makes the action the first direct account of what Trump did when he never complied with federal requests. New York Attorney General Letitia James is seeking a preliminary injunction as part of her $250 million civil lawsuit against former President Trump to stop what she says is his ongoing fraudulent conduct. On the same day last month, James filed the lawsuit accusing Trump, his three eldest children, and two corporate executives of staggering fraud that she claims grossly inflated Trump's net worth. The Trump Organization quietly registered a new entity, Trump Organization II, according to a new court filing this week. Investigators suspect that Trump could move assets from his family real estate business to, to the new entity, in an attempt to evade liability posed by the lawsuit, according to the Attorney General's motion for preliminary injunction. Meanwhile, the Supreme Court summarily denied Trump's ploy to have them rule for him 
and his Mar-a-Lago boxes of documents. The New York Times reports that a 15-year-old is in custody in Raleigh after a shooting that killed five people and injured two. Tommy Tuberville keeps racism alive in Alabama. The Hill reports his comments on race and crime resounding on the campaign trail. The NAACP and other civil rights groups condemn Tuberville's line as flat-out racist and riled up the radical right base. Tuberville called that all criminals are black and they want to do the crime for race reparations, playing into Democrats' wants and desires. Democrats say Tuberville's comments reflect the GOP psychology behind efforts to push the issue of crime into the spotlight of Senate races in Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Nevada, and North Carolina. Quote, using dog whistles is just not a way to present an argument to the American public without some serious consequences down the road, warned Emanuel Cleaver, Democrat Missouri, who said he was disappointed that fellow Republicans didn't condemn Tuberville's comments. As the midterms near, state lawmakers and enforcement officials are on high alert about violent threats targeted at election officials. Wired reports that domestic threats are taking top billing over foreign influence in meddling operations. A Democratic campaign group, Georgia Honor, launched a new TV ad this week focusing on accusations against Herschel Walker made by his son. The Hill reports that the ad quotes Walker's son, Christian Walker, as saying, quote, he threatened to kill us and had us move six times, running from violence. But Donald Trump loves Herschel Walker and has a past with him, handpicked by the still-powerful GOP honcho to create controversy, Georgia Senate candidate to go up against incumbent Raphael Warnock. Warnock's team uh, confirmed that he would debate Herschel Walker this week. Meanwhile, Portugal is the latest country to position itself as a haven for digital nomads, writes the Washington Post. A new visa for remote worker comes available October 30th. The visa and residence permit is available for people employed outside of Portugal with proof of monthly income of $2,730 and annual salary of $32,760. Portugal boasts a low cost of living, temperate climate, and proximity to all of Europe. President Biden this week called for the resignation of three Democratic City Council members in Los Angeles for racist comments. A profanity-laced recording was obtained by the New York Times in which Councilwoman Nuri Martinez referred to a black child as Little Monkey. She also called Oaxacan immigrants as short, dark people. She said Tuesday she would take a leave of absence, but now she resigned. An economic update. Prices have shot up again in grocery stores and at gas pumps. And all in all, inflation, consumer prices have shot up 8.2%. Biden's approval ratings are up, but Republicans will make hay of the new inflation rate. Meanwhile, Social Security on Thursday announced an 8.7% cost of living adjustment for retirees, the largest inflation adjustment to benefits in four decades a welcome development for millions of older Americans struggling to keep up with fast-rising living costs. In a webinar online event this week, New York State Congressman Richie Torres and Andrew Garbarino 
address small business challenges and help they propose to offer in Congress. Here's State Rep Torres. Loans to larger businesses, and small businesses tend to be left behind. There's a shortage, a severe shortage of, of lending to the smallest businesses who are struggling to survive now more than ever. Um, you know, I'm in New York where the entrepreneurial spirit is alive and well. Uh, one in ten businesses were founded in the last year in, in New York City, uh, which I think speaks volumes about the power of the entrepreneurial spirit. But what translates the entrepreneurial spirit into an actual business is access to capital. And, and that's where we need to do more work. The most small business programs go through the small business committee where Congressman Garbarino sits. A, a few of them go through financial services where I serve. And we were establishing the American Rescue Plan. We did establish a, a $10 billion state small business credit initiative, which can be leveraged to generate about $100 billion in loans to the smallest of small businesses. And these are it's a program that's funded by the federal government, but it's administered by the state. Each state has its own version of the state small business credit initiative. And New York State Rep. Andrew Guyberino. They don't have the ability to go uh, to something during banker hours. They say banker's hours, you know? It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, so that's a very good... Um, as I said, and it, it kind of ties into it. Um, yeah. How do they get access? I didn't even know about some of the, the, the programs that the SBA offered or other agencies offered, uh, and I represented uh, some of these uh, companies. So um, I have, I have, um, I have a very dedicated team in my office, which I'm sure I know Richie does as well. Uh, usually, most members of Congress do. They have somebody who deals directly with the SBA, the Small Business Administration, or the uh, Small Business Development Centers. I would say one of the ways to find out, you can't talk to somebody in the middle of the work day because you're working, send them an email. Send my office an email if you're in my district and, and, and we can help you because then we can set you up with uh, somebody from the SBA or somebody from the local small business development center who all of a sudden might come up with a, oh, we have, there's a, you know, you, you, you want to do this, you want to become a, an exporter, well, there's this program that you can, uh, that you can get. You manufacture now and you want to start exporting, here's something you can do. Oh, you 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 need some you need uh, uh, funds. You need uh, your access to capital. These are certain small uh, business programs that, that we have uh, that you can that you can apply through with through the small business development center and work with a local institution. So um, if you can't get to one of the SBA or or an SBDC uh, during work hours, contact your local congressman. We have access, and, and you know, and, and we could we can respond by email. Uh, we can uh, we can correspond by you know uh, back and forth, uh, and, and we can find out the answers for you, or put you in touch with who you need to be. My district office, I know, is you know both with through pandemic funds and, and other SBA programs. We've uh, uh, opened up millions of dollars of uh, of capital of, or loans that were available to small businesses that uh, were either tied up or, or people didn't know about. We've had we've had great success, uh, and, and I have to say that's through our partnership with local SBDCs. If you are wondering about those glossy Republican ads running in states where pivotal Senate races are heating up, meet the Senate Leadership Fund. It's led by Stephen Law, Mitch McConnell's former chief of staff. Its goal is, quote, to protect and expand the Republican Senate majority when Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, and Chuck Schumer, together with their army of left-wing activists, try to take it back in 2022. 
we've seen claims of a socialist agenda. And here in Pennsylvania, John Fetterman certainly accused of being soft on crime. In other local news, Doug Mastriano is from New Jersey. Kind of amazing to me, but not that far-fetched that he served as Pennsylvania State Senator and now runs for governor. Apparently, he kept voting in New Jersey through last year. And while Scott Perry runs a Pennsylvania re-election ad, blaming Joe Biden for deadly withdrawal from Afghanistan, Trump ordered removing troops during his tenure, but was seen by military as catastrophic. Well, for this week, I've been listening to Domestic Chaos, Raising Cain for the Blue State from Central Pennsylvania. Thanks for listening.